really excited to be talking to Eric Doc Anderson, uh, who is an ADHD coach who specializes in helping people become the hero of their own story. Doc is an ADHD-er who also has cerebral palsy. And he learned early how damaging limiting stories can be to ourselves and to others. He realized he could either listen to those stories and live in a very small world or rewrite them and live in a much larger one. And so as a result, he's done impossible things, the kinds of things that many other people only dream of doing. And he shows other people that they can do impossible things too. And one of the reasons that I wanted to chat with him is because I recently learned that a lot of women uh, discover that they uh, may have undiagnosed ADHD when they hit menopause, because some of the symptoms of menopause are uh, forgetfulness, uh, cognition problems, memory problems, um, and it may be one thing to think it's menopause, uh, but some women think, oh my gosh, what, what's going on here? Uh, it's, it, do I have undiagnosed ADHD? And then for women who have been living with an ADHD diagnosis, uh, they've managed to get to this point. They've got uh, uh, systems and coping mechanisms, and then menopause hits, and it's like a double whammy. Uh, so I wanted to talk with somebody who knows about this, and, and Doc, you're the man here, um, uh, who can talk about some of these, um, you know, why, why is it that women are less, or their diagnosis of women is, is problematic underdiagnosed yeah it, it, it is and th there's a number of reasons for that and it it goes back to schools it goes back to institutions and systems and many of these systems are designed by and for men um in school the diagnosis of adhd is often because a teacher is frustrated with a boy that is bouncing off the walls as opposed to uh, many women, many girls, many women, who their, their ADHD is a different type that is more internal. And so they don't tend to be the troublemakers. So their ADHD is different as a result. Um, some of the markers that go with ADHD are seen, but the ADHD ADHD itself is, is often not addressed. And then we have the problem that so much of our uh, medical and therapy and, and, and care uh, institutions still view ADHD as a kid thing. Mm -hmm. But... ADHD, adult ADHD is a very real thing. And adult ADHD is much different than what it is when we were children. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I, I, by the way, this is my wife, Andrea. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> we're, we're kind of a set, and I, I married above my species. 
I read uh, recently, it may have been an article by William Dodson, who is a, a doctor who um, publishes a lot on ADHD, talking about um, that with women, with adult women, there is almost never the stereotypical hyperactivity, the external hyperactivity. And it is present much less with uh, girls as well, or at least in a different form. With girls, it will more often show its impulsivity uh, rather than the bouncing off the walls that we think of as hyperactivity. And those impulsivity uh, things um, will manifest as money troubles or, um, you know, that kind of thing that we don't think of as, as ADHD. Right. Just it's not stereotype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so, um, I, I'd like to back up a little bit and talk about what ADHD is and isn't, uh, just yeah. so that we have kind of a baseline. Uh, when we talk about ADHD, we are talking about a a spectrum of difficulties that are caused by developmental delays in the prefrontal cortex. It is a biomechanical, uh, uh, a neurological thing. And there are a number of things that are not biological that can mimic ADHD. Mm -hmm. and, and to be honest, every behavior in ADHD uh, the, the, the impulsivity, the, the, the memory, the regulation and activation issue. These are all very human things that all humans, uh, experience sure. yeah. but with ADHD. These are questions of severity, duration, and, um, uh, my goldfish brain just kicked in. Excellent. Um, impact. Yeah. The, the, um, <laughs> Frequency, uh, severity, go. duration, and frequency. I, I describe my ADHD as the world's smallest petting zoo. My goldfish brain can't remember. My hamster brain can't focus. And my terrier brain won't let go of the sock monkey. It's it's that, that hyper-focus. What a zoo. <laughs> it, it is. It is. And and that when we talk about ADHD, and, and by that we're talking about the, the developmental delay in the prefrontal cortex, that we process things differently because this is a, a, a difference in the prefrontal cortex. There are a couple things that go on. First of all, people ask, is it ADD or ADHD? And the current DMSV uh, refers to it just as ADHD instead of now ADD and ADHD. But all they're saying is that they are acknowledging there is always a hyperactive component. It is just whether it is physical and external or internal and mental emotional okay. there is always a hyperactive component my adhd is what would have been called primarily inattentive or that internal mental emotional adhd mm -hmm. so along with adhd because of this because we're talking prefrontal cortex differences that you have a number of coexistent what uh, what the medical field calls comorbidities, wonderful word, um, but the coexisting conditions of things like anxiety, depression, ODD, oppositional defiant disorder, OCD, um, all of these 
a, a wide variety of things. And all that means is that your brain is unique. And it is a series of strengths and challenges that are unique to you. And a diagnosis is just an acknowledgement of someone going, oh, I recognize that. That's this. And, and mm -hmm. your brain has no such limitation attached to it. It's going to be your brain. And it's going to do wonderful and amazing and challenging and troubling things as brains do. So that's also why women very often can be misdiagnosed with ADHD is they see things like the anxiety and that, um, you know, it, that is viewed as a thing in and of itself when it may just be an aspect of the presence of the ADHD. As both a symptom and a coping mechanism. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. Because uh, if you're trying to remember. Yes. I, I, I know that I always forget things. So I'm really busy making sure that I'm not always forgetting things. And that looks like anxiety to everybody yeah. else and feels like yeah. anxiety in my body. So I go to the doctor and the doctor says, what's wrong? And I tell him all these things. And he says, I know what that is. That's anxiety. We're fine. We, you there just I need to calm it. down. <laughs> and the you know the the other thing to 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 realize here is that a diagnosis um i always say a diagnosis is just an indication of what kind of a pain you have been to a specific person at a specific <laughs> in yeah. your life yeah. but a diagnosis um first of all if you need in uh medic if you need medication or insurance you need a diagnosis if you are looking at programmatic eligibility educationally or or accommodations you may need a diagnosis mm -hmm. but a diagnosis is an indication of the severity of the impact mm -hmm. to major life functions so if you are coping really well then you don't necessarily get a diagnosis because you're not broke sure as so the medical field would you know want you in mm -hmm. so a, a woman may have grown up coped in one way or another raised the children had the job mm -hmm. run the house mm -hmm. and then and, cope. Yes. and had those organic support systems yeah, yeah. And come up with you know and and everything works uh -huh. and that's yeah. why transition points all along the lifespan are where people tend to be diagnosed. So going from preschool to kindergarten, going from elementary school to middle school, middle school to high school, high school to college, that those transition points put extra stress on our brain. And the more stress we right. have, the more ADHD we become. Mm -hmm. So with the drop in estrogen, the changes mm -hmm. in hormones, the brain chemistry, the body chemistry. Life changes create yes. that's stress. Huge. That's huge when a woman starts into her uh, menopause journey. Mm -hmm. and, and she may be changing job at the same time. She yeah. may be getting divorced at the same time. She may be widowed at the same time. Yeah. And those things will have been perhaps some organic supports that are suddenly gone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So an older woman, um, whether she has a diagnosis or the label. And, um, and for the record, 85% of adults with ADHD are undiagnosed. So, wow. you know, don't feel, certainly for my coaching, you know, people ask, do you need to have a diagnosis? No, you do not. Um, my job is to meet you where you are and to help you move forward and help you put some new tools in your toolbox. And that doesn't require a diagnosis. That requires listening and, and understanding where your brain is and what your challenges are and how we can speak your language so that it makes sense to you and so that there is, there is accessibility and clarity so that you can move forward. And that's the difference between therapy and coaching. That's, therapy yeah. is about healing your pain and making you okay with the was. And it is, um, it is part of the medical model. It is about healing. Coaching is about where you want to go. As a coach, I am not going to treat you like you're broken. Um, I am going to meet you where you are and help you realize your strengths. Now, coaching and therapy can work incredibly well together. If you need therapy, get therapy. But, um, you know, it, coaching, is, coaching is about finding new tools, learning how to use them, practicing with them and becoming the agent of your own change and success. Mm -hmm. And my job is to help you through that journey. I am a companion on your journey. We can only be the hero of our own journey. We can only be either a companion or an obstacle on someone else's and we get to choose who that is. And my job is to be a companion on people's journey and help them get where they want to go. So what, what would that, what would that look like for a a, a, a woman who might say, I, I've I've got this, I've got that, I, I need I need help, but coach me. So one of the one of the places we very often start with ADHD is is in awareness, because ADHD there's always the hyperactive component. Um, racing thoughts or physical hyperactivity and, and the, the, the movement. And, and so when our brain gets spun up, sometimes the hardest thing for us to do is to slow down. And it all starts with the pause. And it, it's very counterintuitive if, oh my God, I've got all these things, you know, and, and, that if I slow down and stop, I'll lose it all and I'll drop That's everything. Life right now, I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's and and life. and and not only that, that ADHDers, ADHD brains have lower dopamine levels and fewer dopamine receptors. We are always looking for a source of dopamine. It's an interest-based brain, yep. and so where neurotypical brains have that constant low-level feed, they're getting the oil to the engine that's keeping things from burning up. We're always having, you know, we go through a quart of oil with every with every uh, uh, tank of gas. That that's the dopamine, and so part of what we start with is there is some education about what ADHD is and isn't and what your ADHD is and isn't because my ADHD is different than yours, different from someone else's. 
uh, whether there's medication involved, whether there isn't, all of these things. And then we take a look at what is going on around you and we take what you're doing right now. What are the challenges that are in front of you right this very moment? And we deal with those and we use those as ways to create new tools. And so you are you are reducing the drama, you're reducing the stress, you are you are dealing with these things that are exploding and ramping things down and learning new skills. And it is it is not easy. It takes it takes real work. But it's also it's not a slog. I, I use stories and play as as a big part of my coaching because when we're dealing with our ADHD we learn new skills and we have to practice those skills in doing so with stories and reframing our stories and doing it in a state of play makes it much easier it stimulates the interest and it takes something on the order of like 400 repetitions to create a new neural pathway but it takes something ridiculously low like 20 or 30 if you're in a state of play it's uh. it's it's stunning so um let me let me give you an example of um adhd story reframing and oh, yeah yeah humans humans have kind of a negativity bias mm -hmm. we it, it's part of our remember, evolutionary remember the protection yeah right we, well we want to know are there predators around you know, that, that's 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 how we grew up that's There's how we evolved the snake hiding. <laughs> exactly and when that snake comes out the lizard brain goes run now the lizard brain can't think so um so we tend as a species as human critters to have a negativity bias well adhd very much can can do the this is spinal tap thing and crank it up to 11. and <laughs> okay. so we have an sometimes a very extreme negativity bias and when we don't have information we will fill that in and we will make it worst case scenario mm -hmm. so for instance you know oh my god i sent tracy a text and why hasn't she responded and you know and then i, I must have i must have made her mad I, yeah i made her mad i yep i probably made her mad and and she's never going to speak to me and oh my goodness she's probably telling all her friends about you know and i will start with you didn't text me back and it ends with the zombie apocalypse like, <laughs> we, we do this meanwhile i might have been driving or, or yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes and and when we get a hold of those things we can't let go of them the racing brain and that's called rumination mm -hmm. and we ruminate and we 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 play out all these scenarios and how many times have you caught yourself rehearsing conversations you had 20 30 years ago as though you could change them mm -hmm. and the inability to let go so learning that oh our brains do these things but the cool thing is they have names they have names because other people have experienced them other people have experienced them and other people have found solutions and because other people have found solutions we can find solutions too when things have names when you can name something you can have power over it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well we're we we do tell we're storytellers right yes mm -hmm. yes we well, are is it michael gertner i think that said 
human beings are the only species that tell stories and then live by the stories we tell. Ooh. And so it is important for us to make sure that we tell ourselves stories that serve us. For a long time, I told myself the story, I'm always late because I have ADHD. I suck at being on time. And a little while back, I was late for something. And I, I sent emails out and apologized. And everyone says, yeah, no problem. And But I wasn't through beating myself up. And Andrea got real tired of that. And at one point, she kind of pulled me up and short and, and said, Eric, when was the last time you blew something off this bad? And I said, well, you know, I did what, you know, like a month ago? Because, you know, I'm always late. And she said, no, it was 15 years ago when you were doing the program for Keith and you were in Minneapolis and you were supposed to be in Des Moines. And, and you, you, you know, the, the calendar got messed up and it was, yeah, I, I messed up pretty bad 15 years ago. And I went, wait, that can't be right. So I checked. I went back through. She was right. It was 15 years ago. But I'm always waiting for the shoe to drop. I'm in the trench fighting the battle so I never see the progress. Where's the snake? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm always looking out for the snake. I know he's there. He's going to jump out because he he's did once. <laughs> and that I had always told myself the story, I'm always late. Well, looking at that, I had to construct a new story. And that new story was, I'm really good at being on time, but I have to pay attention to do it. Mm -hmm. That's a story that serves me. That is a story that is accurate. That is a story based on evidence. That is a story that reminds me of my strengths. And I, I, I want to amplify what he said here, that the previous story was based on what he felt. Shame. The, the new story was based on the evidence. Yes. And looking at that evidence, incorporating that into the new story can change how you feel. Absolutely. So I... that what... You know, his, his feelings now around that aren't that, you know, the shame of being late. It's it's the realization of this is something I have to pay attention to. And it's a it, different energy. It did. And, and it also allowed me to say, yes, I was late. I screwed up. I own that. Mm -hmm. But this is not who I am. And it also explained to me why everyone was so quick to forgive because I wasn't always late over and over and over and over and over it's my story matched what everyone else saw and we were talking the same language and so i didn't have to feel shame and then there oh, there is so much shame around our feelings of failure and the cycle of failure that we feel often feel as adhders mm -hmm. and building that new success, building these, th these are emergent stories that are new and fragile. And so it's important as we build them that we practice those stories and, and tell them because the dominant stories of negativity, we've told over and over, there are war stories and we're good mm -hmm. at telling them and, and we, we, we revel in them because it's dopamine, because of reasons. But 
these new emergent stories are fragile, so we have to practice them until they have the strength to be a new dominant story. I, I love this approach so much because only I, as I compare it to, to my experience of aging, um, and when I was in my mid fifties, kind of, and and life was changing, and uh, I knew I had more time behind me than ahead of me, and and going through those stories and thinking, was was that true? Was that ever true? Mm -hmm. and is it still true? And I think that reexamination and reframing and telling, seeing opportunities for creating a new story going forward was, was life-changing. And Having I can imagine- the compassion that, for yourself that yeah. you have for other people. Yes, I would imagine that that, that skill that, and, and that you describe is just opens just a whole new world for people and to be able to coach somebody along that path well and i have the best job in the world <laughs> i meet people and i get to introduce them to amazing people themselves mm -hmm. and that because i'm a tourist i see things that in in your life that you stop seeing because it's boring sure. and so i see the interesting things and i can we use that as as things to build upon and that adhd is it changes i i, I mentioned it changes as we get older the the adhd is is really centered around executive function, the, the part of our brain that coordinates everything. Uh, think of it like a, a music conductor. When everything works together, you get beautiful music. When everything doesn't, you get noise. Uh -huh. And the executive function parts of the brain are problematic in ADHD brains. And so these control uh, regulation, activation, and working memory these are the challenges we have and they present in a number of different ways and a little bigger picture this is the area of our brain that matures the last yes for everyone so um at about 25 is where neuroscientists think that that final maturity comes within executive function right but ADHDers can be up to 30% social emotionally delayed from their peers. Oh, really? So, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So someone who is 10 physically may present at seven mm -hmm. and that the lessons we get in school at the age of 10, because a child may be presenting at functionally seven years old, social emotionally, those lessons don't penetrate. Right, because they're they, simply not ready for them. Yeah, they, abstractly, they just don't make sense. Yeah. And then when that child is, say, 13, and the brain has matured, and they go, wait, what was that thing? 
And the system has said, oh, wait, no, no, we learned that one back here. We're doing this now. Mm-hmm. And so... Lag as, time. Right. Yes, and these are called ADHD skill gaps, and we have them. And what amazes me as an adult is the number of very interesting landmines those have created that I have discovered all through my life. <laughs> that just these these gaps and... So that's part of why, but why examining all of this and creating tools is really important is because of that social emotional delay and the skill gaps that it creates. I, I tell people that I'm 59, but I think like a 40, 40 year old, but it's okay because I read at a 70 year old level. So it's all good. <laughs> I would imagine that, that when, when people, women finally hear some of this, this being, well, the delays, the gaps, the challenges, and to be able, when you start connecting some dots, yes, people might it is, say, it is liberating. Oh my gosh. And it's, Tracy, it, you are not broken. Your brain is doing the best it can at every moment to save your life. That is what it does. It is a unique mix of strengths and challenges, just like anyone else. It's just that our plate as ADHDers can be full of different things, just like anyone else. And that it's it requires specific tools and approaches. It would be like me taking your glasses away and saying, oh, you can read if you squint harder. Mm -hmm. This is real. This causes very specific biochemical things in the brain. But there are things that we can do to deal with these. The the external prompts for working memory Mm -hmm. and... Uh, concentrating on on process and not problems. I have I have a whole, a whole thirty minute webinar that when when people are interested in coaching, um, they you know I I send them a link to a thirty minute webinar that I do that kind of explains how I work with ADHD, and then at the end of that webinar, they have an opportunity to schedule time on my calendar to talk about what they are dealing with. And my job at that point is not to sell them coaching. My job is to help them figure out what their next steps are. And if that is coaching with me, we will figure that out. Mm -hmm. But it may not be coaching with me because, and I cannot stress this enough, if, if, if anyone listening takes nothing else away from this, you should never, ever do coaching with someone that you don't feel comfortable, connected, and safe with. The relationship you have with any professional that is doing session work is very important, and you have to be with the right one. Make sure that who you are dealing with understands ADHD or or whatever it is that you are getting a coach for. Don't be afraid to ask about qualifications. Don't be afraid to ask about training. Don't be afraid to ask anything. 
because you need to make sure it's a good fit and listen listen to to that little hind brain and if it's it's if warning signals are flashing just find something else find someone else part of the reason i do coaching is because i'm a midwest boy and i was taught that if you're going to do something if you're if you're going to do a thing you better be doing it yourself so part of my coaching part of being there for my clients is it helps keep me connected and grounded for my own journey as an ADHD. -er. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I'm very, very open about is my struggle because it's real easy for me to, to sit here in this curated Zoom square in this lovely space I have put together and look you know, and, and, and look wonderful. You know, we did a, a webinar and got some pushback from people because you were showing what your office looked like. And the pushback was, that's not the office of an ADHD or it's just too clean. Yeah. Uh, but what they didn't see was how long it took to make it an organized space. And the parts that and why it is an organized space right. because of the feelings and because I heard David Suchet talk about Poirot and when Poirot sees chaos, he feels chaos and that resonated with me. Holy crap, that's why, you know, all the piles and I, 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 I have piles, not files and all of this and that there was so much chaos that the noise in my brain took up space that I couldn't give to other things. And so to create more brain space, I started by clearing my desk and everything else was a disaster buckle. And that desk, it got larger and larger and larger until I had this office space. Mm -hmm. And that this is space that I very specifically take care of because as goes the space, so goes my brain. And I have learned that. And this has taken me years to get to this point. You know, I'm 59 and, and I have an extra special relationship with clutter that goes back, you know, forever. Yeah. And just now I'm, I'm at a place where I need the quiet in my brain. I value the quiet more than I value the clutter for the first time in my life. That was amazing to if if somebody connects the dots and says i think i have undiagnosed adhd and i'm 60 years old it's i'm set in my ways i'm is is it ever too late no i have clients <laughs> one, one of my clients one of my favorite clients uh, she is 79? I'm not sure how 74. she is. But she, she has taken this journey and run with it and has discovered things and, and, and has whole new worlds have opened up to her that she never had access to before. And 
that that she's able to be kind to herself and to say with confidence, this is who I am. And, and, you know, one of the things about women in our lifespan is that often it isn't until we hit that menopausal transition and until we retire that we do actually have the freedom that a lot of men have their entire lives. Yes. Yes. To, to actually be ourselves. So a thing that is common for women is that that is when you suddenly blossom. Yeah. You know, that, that we think of it as a time of winding down, and in many ways it's a time of stepping into a lot of power that you just didn't know you had. That's or, what or I weren't allowed to have. Right. That, that right. finally you are giving time to yourself and having to give, instead of having to give it to a family or a husband, that, um, you know, how many... How many productivity systems do we see, especially in corporate America, that are fantastic for the white male who doesn't have to raise his own children? Right. Right. This, pro this is a productivity system for someone who doesn't do his own laundry, cook his own food, clean his own house. <laughs> it doesn't start and a second shift when they get home. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, we... Women who reach a certain age, suddenly everything is changing. And on top of that, they suddenly have more time with themselves. Mm -hmm. And there's things that that now become apparent or they can't hide from or that they want to know more about or any of, an, of a thousand different things. It just means your journey has changed. Your hero journey is going on a whole new wheel. Mm -hmm. And so to quote Joseph Campbell, who said, the only question is whether you're ready to say a hearty yes to your adventure. That's the beauty of menopause in my mind. It's the start. <laughs> it, it's the start it's, it is the start of a new adventure. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. uh, some, cultures call, some cultures call this time of life the second spring. Yes. Right. And and that's what that's what you've described. How glorious is that? Youth is wasted on the young. <laughs> yeah. You know? And old age and treachery wins over youth and enthusiasm pretty much every time. So it, it's all good. <laughs> it is. It is. Are there um I know that you said I think I heard you say talk about hacks. Now I, I realize that everybody's different and, uh, and unique, but are there hacks to living? Not in the way that most people think of hacks, because let's face it, if what I call a shelf help book or a YouTube video were going to fix everything, it would have by now anyway, right? Yeah, well, yeah. it'd be a bestseller by now, you think? Exactly. There's some truisms, some commonalities about the way 
ADHD pattern brains operate that you can work with that may get labeled as hacks. Also, <laughs> we'll call them that. <laughs> if you come across something that suddenly speaks your language and it is suddenly accessible mm -hmm. and it feels like a hack, I don't care. Mm -hmm. If it works, it works. Okay. But what I do know works is making sure that you are working with your brain instead of fighting it. I, I tell people that I, my job is to help them turn their ADHD into their biggest strength instead of their greatest struggle. You are going to be ADHD, but I feel sorry for people who are not ADHD because they don't make the kinds of amazing daily discoveries that I do. <laughs> You have a fast brain. <laughs> yes, I do. Ned Hallowell describes ADHD as a, as a race car brain with bicycle brakes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Is it any wonder we wrap it around a tree a lot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we have um, some information to leave people with so that they're not just hanging out here in the open thinking, do I have ADHD? Because we don't want people to be, you know, this isn't a new problem for people to, yeah. right, right. we're not trying to stoke new problems. If this has rung some bells for you, um, I would like for you to go to add.org. That is the website of ADA. Remind me what ADA stands for. The ADD Association. And right. they deal specifically with adult ADHD and helping people that have suddenly realized what now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Chad is about children with ADHD. Ada is adult ADHD. And Ada has a number of resources and peer groups also. It is a great place to start. And they have their ADHD test you can find it if you go to the mm -hmm. website and do a search but it you know it's not official it's not a diagnosis but it can help you know what to begin to look at mm -hmm. and it may inform how you or if you have a conversation with your doctor about it right the one that they have up specifically is the world health organization adult self-report scale this is a validated instrument to as a screener for adult ADHD. So if you feel like you might have ADHD, you can take the screener. If you know you you feel like you're scoring high, print it out, take it to your doctor, take yeah. it to your therapist. Uh, if you're seeing a therapist, they can help you access the correct doctor for diagnosis if you feel like you need a diagnosis or even just talk about it. Sure. Um, the the other thing to know about ADA is that their membership is extremely affordable. It's five dollars a month. For that five dollars a month, you have access to ten years worth of webinars. Oh, maybe wow. not quite that long, but years and years and years. Yeah. And peer groups, support groups. Mm -hmm. You know, if if you are starting this journey, that is a great place to find your tribe. Mm -hmm. Those are great resources. Sound like perfect resources for those who may want to just explore a little bit more. Right. 
It, it is all about exploring and finding out what works for you. And if you want to know more about my coaching, you can find out more at coachingforcreativebrains.com. Um, go to the site, drop me an email. You know, it's... There is no wrong way to start the journey if you're starting the journey with curiosity and authenticity mm -hmm. and truly wanting to discover who you are and who you can be and willing to to explore. Mm -hmm. Eric, Andrea, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I think, um, I hope that women who listen and their partners who may be listening um, are curious, uh, may have some aha moments, and may realize that there's a whole nother uh, path that they may be, that may open up for them. Uh, yeah. In, it, in my, my life, when I got an ADHD diagnosis, suddenly a lot of things made sense. I have cerebral palsy. I walk differently. And all of my life, people said, oh, that's Eric. He walks funny. And that's all they ever looked at. And when I found out that I have ADHD, it was, it was liberating. It was, oh, there's a reason. I'm not crazy. I'm not broken. I'm not the middle of the bell curve. And I choose to view that as a good thing. <laughs> May we all thrive in our uniqueness. <laughs> exactly. Yep. We're all unique, just like everyone else. <laughs> thank you so much. I'm going to get that embroidered on a, t on a pillow. Well, you can thank Garrison Keeler for that one. <laughs>